Welcome to City Church. City Church is a biblically-based, relationally-driven, spirit-led church, encouraging everyone to follow Jesus and serve others. We're excited to share this sermon with you today, and you can always find out more about us online at citychurchseville.com. Well, happy Mother's Day to the City Church family and friends. You know, every year when I think about Mother's Day, and I know that it's approaching, I always pray and ask God who it is that maybe should bring the Mother's Day sermon. And this year, God put Lori Kramer on my heart. Lori and her husband, Mike, are colleagues of mine. Uh, They've been serving with high school students in and around Charlottesville for years and years. But there's something unique about Lori that I've observed, and that is this. She has a heart for the poor, and she puts feet to her faith in that direction. You see, Lori serves with high school young girls who have become pregnant and are raising their children, and they need love, mentorship, and support. So she's the one that heads up that effort in our community. You know, I I heard a quote this week, and the quote was this. It's that we are all in the COVID-19 storm, but we are not all in the same boat. Lori's heart is for the people in our community, specifically the young high school moms whose boats were submerged long before the COVID-19 crisis hit. And so I'm going to ask that with special attention that you would please open up your heart to the scriptures that Lori's going to be sharing with you and also open up your heart as she shares from her soul her own experience of womanhood and being a mother. So wherever you're at, whether you're in a dorm room, an apartment, or a home, please give a warm City Church welcome to Lori Kramer. Thank you, Pete, for that kind introduction. Good morning, City Church, and happy Mother's Day. My name is Lori Kramer, and I work for a ministry that mentors teen moms called Young Lives. Young Lives enters into the lives of teen moms with the unconditional love of Christ, encouraging them and believing in them to become the mothers and the women that God meant them to be. I had the privilege of starting Young Lives 11 years ago in Charlottesville, And I'm grateful for the many women who have faithfully served by my side, several of whom go to this church. I'm also grateful to City Church for their endless support in numerous ways of the Ministry of Young Lives. This is certainly a challenging time, especially for our young young moms, many of whom have already lived life on the edge of a cliff, so to speak. But I am encouraged by the many ways our city and churches have come together to support them from going over that cliff. Whether it's food donations from the Blue Ridge School, a bag of food from PB&J Cooking Kitchen, food from Loaves and Fishes, personal donations, breakfasts and lunches served by our city and county schools, or the endless resources that are on the Support Seville website, and probably many others that I haven't mentioned. The care and concern of our community has brought me to my knees in gratitude. This morning, I want, to create, I want to communicate what motherhood means by looking at the scriptures and sharing some of my personal journey. But before I get started, I want to acknowledge that there are those listening that Mother's Day is a struggle for. Those who have lost their mothers, yearn to be mothers, lost children, and that pain is real. 
And I believe that God knows your pain and enters into it with you. When I first started praying about a woman of the Bible to focus on for Mother's Day, I thought of Jochebed. Well, honestly, I didn't remember her name. What I thought of was that the mother of Moses, Aaron, and Miriam must have been an amazing woman to raise three key leaders of Israel. Moses was Israel's deliverer, Aaron was Moses' mouthpiece, and the first high priest of Israel, and Miriam was the first prophetess of Israel. As I studied this woman, Jochebed, I think there's much we can learn from her that speaks of the high calling and the hardships of motherhood today. Motherhood is an incredible opportunity to mold minds, nurture growth, and foster potential, but it is certainly not easy. Today, we're going to be mainly looking at Exodus chapters 1 and 2 if you want to open your Bibles. In Genesis, Jacob and his family fled to Egypt to escape famine, and Joseph was, who already was in Egypt, revealed himself to his 11 brothers, invited Jacob's family to come to Egypt. As the years passed, after Joseph died, a new king arose in Egypt, a king who didn't know Joseph or Joseph's God. This king observed, as we see in chapter 1, verse 7, that the Israelites were fruitful and multiplied greatly and became exceedingly numer numerous. Feeling threatened, the new pharaoh looked for ways to reduce the number of Hebrews for, through slavery, oppression, and bondage. He put them to work in fields and brickyards with cruel taskmasters. But Exodus 1.12 tells us, the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and work them ruthlessly. Pharaoh's solution was to tell the Hebrew midwives that delivered the Hebrew children to kill the boys and let the girls live. But in verse 17, we see that the midwives, however, feared God and did not do what the king of Egypt had told them to do. They let the boys live and gave Pharaoh the excuse that the Israelite women gave birth before they arrived. So scripture tells us that God was kind to the midwives and gave them families of their own. This is the first but not the last time in this passage that we see faith in the one true God greater than fear over Pharaoh. Even though Pharaoh was powerful, the midwives knew who was ultimately in control and exercised great courage in their disobedience of Pharaoh's command. You see, courage isn't the absence of fear. It's action in the face of fear. And this is the world that Moses was born into. We see in the beginning of chapter two of Exodus that Moses was born into the house of Levi. The Levites were in charge of keeping the temple and offering the sacrifices. From his birth, we see that there is something unique about this child Moses. Exodus 2.2 says that he was a fine child, which means good and pleasant. In Hebrews 11.23, Paul speaks of Moses as a proper child, meaning elegant and beautiful. And in Acts 7.20, Stephen said that Moses was no, no ordinary child and fair unto God. So obviously, Moses' outward appearance was striking, but I believe that his parents knew that there was a divine destiny on his life. Hebrews 11 is known as the Faith Hall of Fame. And in verse 23, it says that by faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months until after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Moses is first in the Faith Hall of Fame because of his parents. 
I believe they were parents who were intimate with their heavenly father, that their confidence in God gave them the boldness to preserve Moses' life and to disregard the command of Pharaoh and the courage to save the life of Israel's deliverer. Remember that courage isn't the absence of fear, but action in the face of fear. In the same way, I believe that we need to be mothers and parents who seek intimacy with our Heavenly Father and pray over our children daily, no matter what age they are, to lean into the Lord on their behalf and believe that they have a divine destiny for their lives, just like Moses, to recognize and fan into flame the gifts the Lord has given our children, to give them opportunities and to speak life over them and their calling. Proverbs 18.21 says, The tongue has the power of life and death. This verse has become a life verse, a ministry verse to me. I say it often, so often to the point that I'll have young live kiddos come up to me and say, Lori, my mom isn't speaking life over me. So it leads to great conversation, and I guess someone is listening, right? Um, What we speak over our kids and even ourselves matters. A question to consider is this. Does what we speak align with the scripture and the character and nature of who God is and who God says we are? Jochebed faced the fear of possibly losing Moses every day when he was hidden. During this COVID season, some of us might be struggling with fear. I have struggled with fear in my life. It wasn't until I had children that I realized I had learned fear in my childhood but thought it didn't affect me. And then when I had kids... I was constantly afraid of something happening to them. When they were young and accidents and injuries increased, as we all know happens in childhood, my fear increased to the point of paralyzing me and making decisions every day of where we would go and what we would do, always analyzing the risks. Because fear loves to control, I felt that I needed to control their world to keep them safe. I didn't verbalize this at the time, but my actions indicated that I didn't trust God and didn't think he was enough to come through for me. Some days fear was so heavy on me, I struggled to get out of bed. But I was honest with God and others. I brought out into the open my fear and no longer hid it. I encourage you, especially during this time, to write down your fears, to share them with others and God. Bringing them from darkness to light lessens their power and grip over us when they are no longer hidden. I cried out to God and wrestled with surrendering my fear to him, and he met me and brought freedom. Then several years later, we had a very intense five-year period medically with our kids. My oldest daughter, Brittany, was diagnosed with benign relandic epilepsy, which is when you have seizures in the beginning phase of your sleep. So sleep became very hard for us because she felt like if she fell asleep, she might have a seizure. But then if you don't get sleep, sleep deprivation is one of the key triggers for seizures as well. Needless to say, it was a hard two years of trying to figure out how to fall asleep at night. Literally, the only way she could fall asleep is if we, when we memorized and recited Psalm 91 and spoke it aloud every night and played worship music. Again, God was giving me tools in my toolbox to battle fear. As Pete said last week, we all need tools in our spiritual bag. Brittany's last seizure was in August, and a month later that September, my youngest daughter, Ashley, grew incredibly sick. 
The story is too long to tell at this moment, but Ashley was hospitalized for months, not talking, walking, or eating, on a feeding tube and unresponsive. Again, the Lord met me in this place and gave feet to my faith to get me through this season. Deuteronomy 32 verses 46 and 47 says, take to heart all the words I have solemnly declared to you this day. They are not just idle words for you, for they are your life. And that's what the word became to me. It became life. I memorized it. I spoke it out loud. I prayed it until what I felt in my heart lined up with what I knew to be true of God in my head. I personalized scripture in many of the scriptures I prayed. For example, Isaiah 46, 4 says, I am he, I am he who will sustain Ashley. I have made her, I will carry her, and I will sustain Ashley and rescue her. I recently heard this quote, that the word of God was not meant for silent reading. And I saw that to be true in my life. Worship again filled the hospital room because for me, worship changes the atmosphere and creates expectancy in me for God to move. I leaned into the body of Christ in prayer. A friend who I didn't even know at the time set up a 24-7 prayer for two weeks in Ashley's worst moments on our blog, and thousands of people were praying for her. She was prayed for during prayer vigils at City Church and other churches, and even when we brought her home and she was still sick, people came and prayed in our yard. We practiced thankfulness and gratitude. This is so hard to do in the midst of fear and trial, but it changes our perspective and opens the door for God to come in. Psalm 77, 11 says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. And remembering and thankfulness is a choice. I can remember when Cooper and Brittany came down one morning and I read this verse and I said, we are gonna remember what God has done in our lives and in his word. And we are gonna be thankful for what he's doing this season even though the future is yet unknown. We see this in many of the Psalms, as it was shared last week, that David talks himself back to God because of who God is. I replace the question, why me, God, with help me, God, to learn what you have for me in this season. Recently, I heard this phrased even better, that our question in the midst of trial should turn from, how are you working to get me through this trial, God? to how are you working through this trial, God, to get to me. And God did get to me and each member of our family. It was painful and difficult, but I found to be true the C.S. Lewis quote that Pete shared last week, that God whispers to us in our pleasure, but shouts in our pains. I would never raise my hand to go through it again, but I wouldn't exchange it for the world. It made my family and me who we are today. It changed the way I prayed and the way I do ministry. And through these battles, the Lord walked with me and gave me tools in my spiritual bag to overcome fear in my life, just like he did Jochebed. And we said, when Moses was born, he is somehow hidden for three months of his life. Having three children of my own, I can't fathom how this is possible other than assume the fact that Moses didn't have colic. When he was no longer able to be hidden, Moses was put in a papyrus basket covered with tar and pitch and put in the river with his sister Miriam, scripture tells us in Exodus 2 verse 4, standing at a distance to see what would happen to him. Here again, we see faith over fear. 
Jochebed's mind could have been filled with every possible scenario. Moses might drown, get swept away by the current, starve to death, or eaten by crocodiles. But Jochebed knew that she needed to act to save Moses' life. And God had a divine appointment planned for Moses, that Pharaoh's daughter would come to the river and bathe, would hear his cries, and would rescue him. And we see that God's timing is always perfect. This was certainly no accident that Pharaoh's daughter came. And we can remember for ourselves when our lives seem out of control, as it does now, that God is fully present and fully aware of his circum- our circumstances, and his timing is perfect. God's hand was most certainly present in Pharaoh's daughter's heart as well. In Exodus 2.6, it tells us that she had compassion for Moses. I want to say something about this word compassion. It means more than just pity. It means to be moved from our inward parts, deep within. Compassion is not frequently used with a human subject in Scripture. It typically speaks as God, with God as the compassionate one. And God's compassion is demonstrated in his son's ministry. In the Gospels, we see that Jesus had compassion on the crowds and fed them. He had compassion on them and he healed them. He had compassion on them and he taught them. In every example of Jesus' compassion, we see that compassion from within him rose up to meet the need of those around him. Scripture tells us that every time Jesus was moved with compassion, it resulted in healing deliverance, multiplication of food. It changed someone's life. Compassion always produces action. In the same way, we as mothers are moved with the compassion to attempt to alleviate suffering and change the circumstances of our kids' lives and the lives of those in need, just as Pharaoh's daughter was moved with compassion. And you might be thinking, I'm not very compassionate in times of fear or trial, And this is what I'll tell you I've learned, that proximity breeds compassion. When we come close to those in need or our kids that are hurting, compassion rises up within us. But what is even more incredible about Pharaoh's daughter's rescue of Moses is how the Lord moved in the heart of a pagan daughter of a pagan king. Again, we see that God is sovereign and is in control Proverbs 21.1 says, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Pharaoh's daughter preserves the deliverer of Israel, and she names Moses, which means Hebrew, to pull out of the water or draw out. We also see God's provision. After Pharaoh's daughter drew Moses out of the Nile, Miriam, his older sister, was close by and suggests in verse 7, should I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? And we see that Jochebed was again given the opportunity to raise her son until he grew older and even get paid for it, verse 9 tells us. Most likely this was until the age of five, around five, when he entered Pharaoh's palace. Moses' mother would have trained Moses up in the knowledge of the God of creation, the God of the flood, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses would have experienced the true and living God who acted loved and cared for his people. This would give Moses the foundation to later stand up and reject the ways of Israel, reject the ways of Egypt and stand for the truth. The foundation we give our children in the Lord is instrumental for them to have the ability to stand for the truth in this world. 
When we establish the expectation, as Jochebed did with Moses at a young age, that God is actively speaking and lovingly engaged with his people, our children will be able to stand in their true identity as sons and daughters of the king, as Moses did. Lastly, it is fascinating to me that even though Moses' birth is first mentioned in Exodus chapter 2, verse 1, his mother's name isn't given till Exodus chapter 6, verse 20, when a family record of Moses and Aaron is listed. The only other place in Scripture her name is mentioned is in Numbers, when Moses is commanded by God to take a census of Israel by family. This could make us think that Jochebed is seemingly insignificant because her name is rarely mentioned in Scripture. But this is far from the truth. Jochebed means in Hebrew, Yahweh is glory. Scholars say that her name is the first name mentioned in Scriptures with a divine element, Yah, which is short for Yahweh. After his encounter with God at the burning bush, Moses later announces to Israel that Yahweh is the name of their God, and it is embedded in his lineage through his mother. So even though Jochebed's name is perhaps unknown to man, it is known to God. And we might feel unknown to man at times, often overlooked with the many behind-the-scenes duties of motherhood, and we might feel seemingly insignificant. But we see in Jochebed's life, it's not so much who you are, your position or your status, of which Jochebed had none, but what we do with the life we're given, how we meet life's challenges, how we lean into the Lord, how we trust him for our lives and our children's lives. And be encouraged that you are known to God. Jochebed was one of two million Hebrew slaves, yet God was personal and intimate with her. He knew her name and he wrote her story. She was to give birth, to pray over, to speak into, and to train up Israel's powerful deliverer. Jochebed's life speaks loudly through the lives of her children as scripture says in Micah 6, 4, the Lord says, I brought you up out of Egypt and redeemed you from the land of slavery. I sent Moses to lead you, also Aaron and Miriam. Jochebed left a legacy of faith through the lives of her children. Motherhood is both a challenging and rewarding journey, one in which we get first row seats to experience the power the provision, and the presence of the living God, just like Jochebed did. In Jochebed's life, we see that God met her in her most desperate moments. And I could say the same has been true of my life. Mothers, know that nothing is wasted. Each seemingly insignificant and difficult moment is used by God. Friends, know that you are known to God. He knows your name and he's writing your story. And may all of us remember during this COVID season that courage isn't the absence of fear, but action in the face of fear, not because of the strength we have, but because of the constant and unchanging power and nature of the one true God. Let me pray. God, I thank you that you love us, that your heart is for us. I thank you that you desire to be personal and intimate with us, to give us courage and victory over our fears and freedom from our pain. God, I thank you that you are still on the throne and I pray that you will pour out your blessing on every mother and every woman this day. 
In Jesus' name, amen.